Well, uh, looky here. Look what day it is again on the calendar. That's right. It's Fat Tuesday. The day that my kind, my people, my country rise up and celebrate what it means to be fat on a Tuesday. Happy Mardi Gras, everybody, and welcome to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name's, I prefer Ludi, whatever the French word is for thin, John. Uh, there's actually a Lundi Gras on Monday. Lundi and together. Gras. Yeah, and together we're Henry and John coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of that there's zeitgeist in order to make the world safer for people to drink in the streets of New Orleans. New Orleans, gotta say, top 50 drinking in the street cities, maybe top one. <laughs> maybe top one where it's legal, but there are certain districts where you can do it. I tried to sneak some ASMR. So for some reason, I put the, cl- the can right next to the microphone. That's ASMR. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Speaking Ooh, of speaking of drinking, we're, we're drinking New Orleans. Though, what are the? Come on, we need the classic New Orleans drinks for Mardi Gras. Get people in the mood. You got your fish bowl. You got your shark attack. You got your etouffee. You got your <laughs> Chef Paul Prudhomme. Are you we got not your Nacogdoches? Are we not naming the most famous ones on purpose? You got your 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 Pontchartrain. You got you your got, Uma. You got Homa. Homa? You got Homa. Homa? No. You got your beignets and coffee. You got your your shrimp po'boys. These are the famous drinks of New famous Orleans. Famous drinks, Harrods. Harris, Harris, Harold, Harold's Casino. Harold's Casino, of course, he invented the very famous improv form that nobody likes to watch. I'm pretty sure they renamed Harris Casino to, like, Caesar's Palace or some shit. Oh, Caesar's Palace, another classic New Orleans. (laughs) Classic New Orleans. And uh, just, you know, the hand grenade and the hurricane, we gotta name those two. Ooh, uh, the pot liquor share. (laughs) The pot liquor share. (laughs) The pot uh, it's the, just the a bunch drinks. of syllables. <laughs> oh, the, the classics. The classics. Yes, tonight I am drinking in celebration of the high holiday, the holiest of days. I am drinking a Giacomo Juicy IPA, double dry hopped from none other than a Beta Brewing Company. Oh, that is very uh, on point. For Mardi Gras, I'm I'm interested to hear because I've never had an Abita IPA before. How it is? It is surprisingly dry and cloying, cloying, cloying on the tongue. Um, but there's some citrus in there. I think that it makes it a little more refreshing. It's as far as juicy IPAs go, not my favorite, but it'll do on this highest of holy holidays. I feel like uh, trying to get a hazy, juicy IPA and and then double dry hopping it might be uh, somewhat counterintuitive because that will make it a little bit more astringent and funky. But hey, if it works, it works. You know, it's it's definitely clinging to my tongue. You know, you know that feeling and like a, a a dry IPA, a dry PA, a dry PA. You know that feeling though. Oh yeah, for sure. Where it's like sticky in the mouth, but like sticking to your mouth. It's like a classic um, West Coast IPA, kind of very tarry, resinous, sticky, funky, weedy. It's like, yeah, it's like drinking some dank kush. 
Yeah, no, that is that is what a good West Coast IPA ta- I almost said smells like, but tastes like. <laughs> yeah. And uh what is my co-host drinking on this fine holiest of holy days? Now, of course, you remember that I was sober for the uh month of January other than uh yeah, various other drugs. Um, but I did not drink alcohol and uh I have drunk alcohol a pretty small amount. Uh, since February started. However, in the last week and a half, I've really ramped up. Lots of stressful life stuff makes my brain go, oh, you gotta relax. Uh, and that always makes me grab a beer. And the beer in this case is a Pearl Snap by Austin Beer Works. One Ooh. of the wedding beers. Only got like 50 of them left. Wow. Yeah, we actually finished off, I believe, our Pearl Snap from you. Uh, a very decent you know, mainstay beer. You can't go wrong with it. Also, can't go right with it. You can just go. I, I honestly, this is not the time nor the place uh, to talk about my very deep-seated beer feelings. But I'm very conflicted on pilsners. I they're they're a style that has never made like a ton of sense for me, despite their ubiquity. Like they're not extremely refreshing like a a kolsch or a lager might be and they're also not as indulgent or aromatic as something like an ipa or something with more hops would be i don't know i i like pilsners but every time i drink a pilsner i'm like i kind of wish it was one or the other you know right yeah i I definitely have my theories about pilsners i think there's probably like rooted in the history of american beer making like as one of like the earliest beers we made this is all conjecture and speculation but i think it's just rooted in so much tradition of american beer making that no one can bring themselves to admit that it's just as a genre of beer not very good I will say, uh, I, I think you're on to something. A slight correction pushes up glasses with middle finger. They're Pils- German. Absolutely German. Uh, however, <laughs> German Pilsners, like the classic, and I believe the original Pilsner, uh, Pilsner Urkel, delicious, actually. Uh, German Pilsner is very good. An American-style Pilsner is not, even though Pearl Snap advertises itself as a German-style Pilsner. So, you know what? I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I think it, it's like how a lot of micro-brews or a lot of new uh, breweries start with IPAs mainly. I think Pilsner is like the, the next easiest step up. I, I would say so. When you get into lagers, it gets difficult because for lagers, you have to like cold ferment them. Yeah, uh, more expensive. were... I don't know. I feel like beer is kind of falling off and it makes me sad. Beer low-key fell off. (laughs) Well, So I don't know if you've seen the sentiment around. It's one I've been pushing for like half a year now, but I think it's catching on in the mainstream. Uh, Everything's falling off just a little bit all of the time now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Uh, Elaborate on that. Okay. So it's like, it's kind of like there's the vibe out there. To, to borrow some language from a There's generation. There's a vibe where things low-key fell off. It's a borrow some language from the generation that shall usurp us. There's a vibe that things low-key fell off because we're we're reaching, I, in my opinion, the peak of what capitalism can bring to society. So now it's just extrapolate as much wealth as possible. So no improvements, no maintenance, just pure short-term profits. 
And uh, the result is everything is just getting a little bit more shitty every day. <laughs> I, I think that's true. I, I think it kind of dovetails to you to borrow vernacular of carpenters, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it kind of dovetails with this idea that I've been grappling with in kind of a throwaway a throwaway line in John Hodgman's most recent book, Medallion Status, uh, much less popular than his. Uh, like blow you away book vacation land which is incredible i read that Um, one i like that one vacation land is so good uh medallion status is also very good but he talks about going to the emmys and he's someone who's uh been invited to the emmys as part of the daily show from the early 2000s to like 2016 or something when the daily show finally went off the air uh i say finally like i was waiting for that to happen uh waiting in the wings but he talks about the how it changed between streaming and non-streaming Emmys. Like when there were no streaming services, there were a series of like technical or artistic achievements that existed on television that everyone was rooting for. And like when those things were recognized, there'd be like thunderous applause from the crowd because people were kind of all in it together around a very small number of products. Uh, but post streaming, whenever anyone mentions a show, you hear like a tiny amount of clapping from the back for the people who were involved. Like it's it's no longer this big right. ceremony, almost as if you can hear culture separating in real time. Like culture yeah. is increasingly bifurcating because we're attempting to chase profits. So because the only way now in late stage capitalism to make the line keep going up. Uh, is not to make things better because they're kind of about as good as they can get in the current system, but just make more of it faster. Uh, so you really can't have anything that's like truly excellent right now. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, we, we have abandoned the, like the heyday of America where we put money into infrastructure or at least made sure everybody could get a job, even if it meant working in national parks. We've abandoned all of that for the sake of short-term profit, and so that a very, very, very small elitist amount of people get the most money possible, as if that was the goal of human life. Yeah, and we both agree that it is, but the (laughs) unfortunate downside is that beers aren't as good anymore exactly everything else is suffering roads don't get repaired as quite as nicely beers aren't as good heck uh tools out of our garage used to be able to buy like craftsman's tools and they would they would fucking last longer than your life you would inherit craftsman brand tools from like your father and then pass it on to your son craftsman's whole thing is a lifetime warranty i know but now it's like the 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 tools just aren't as good as they used to be you know this is like oh you make them cheaper cut corners now your wrench can't wrench as wrenchiest as it should yeah i i i totally agree i have been using the same set of uh, screwdriver bits for maybe 10 years. 
but like the it's so bifurcated at this point i don't want to buy a new one because it almost certainly wouldn't be as good right exactly it's like how uh, sears used to have like a like a lifetime warranty of like any appliance you bought from sears and now sears is out of business <laughs> <laughs> well here's the problem with warranties in general is that I think there are still some companies that work pretty extensively with lifetime limited warranties, but the realization is that you need to make a warranty impossible to redeem or act upon. So you have to put a warranty behind a completely uh, inscrutable, dehumanizing uh, robo interface uh, or a robo chat interface if you choose to chat in on the website so people just don't stand by the quality of things and this isn't like old man yells at cloud from things be from things 20 years ago now being bad i think a lot of things got better but when i say beer fell off yeah. there was this really incredible period from like 2016 to 2020 where beer got really interesting other than the fact that it was like almost entirely hazy ipas uh, but if if you forget that trend a lot of interesting stuff was happening in beer and then in 2020 2021 everyone started getting into seltzers and hard kombuchas and canned cocktails and just totally uh atomized the market so now beer just isn't as fun i don't know this feels like a baby complaint to say my my tasty special beers aren't as tasty or special anymore but i feel it damn it yeah no absolutely yeah. And, and it could be, you know, also our perceptions could be influenced by the fact that, uh, John, we're getting older and uh, maybe our taste buds are changing. Uh, speak for yourself. Okay. I'm getting older and I can't taste. I'm no, spending $700 million a year on longevity treatments. I'm having my blood replaced oh, every year with the blood of a newborn Cocker Spaniel. <laughs> I am in cold water for 23 hours a day. He's got and that dog blood. <laughs> <laughs> I do have that dog in me. He got that dog in him. <laughs> and then uh, for the last hour of the day, I am absolutely <laughs> annihilating my nether regions with red light therapy. Uh, and I will, live, I will hopefully live forever. Oh, I don't like any of the words you just said. I listen, you can't, you don't have to like science. <laughs> you just have to accept it as fact. I do. You know, we're not going to get down the rabbit hole of my conspiracy theories about what's going to happen when yeah, like, meaningful not. life extension is actually a possibility. It's only going to be for the super wealthy, right? Well, the argument that I think a lot of libertarian people with dollar sign tattoos make is that like everything, if it reaches a certain, if it reaches ubiquity, not ubiquity, but if it, if it reaches a certain point where it is available, the super wealthy will have it at first, and then there will be sufficient scientific advancement to produce these, uh, things with economies of scale that everyone can do it my concern is that the ability to live to 300 is kind of way more valuable than a pill that makes you less hungry mm. and uh the rich people might want to keep holding on to that yeah uh because that's that's a real like create a new class of people thing absolutely yeah anyway enough talking about the immortal forever rich Yes, let's move on. Uh, so, 
Uh, so I, I kind of maybe talked last week about uh, the big game a little bit. And I know there was something in particular that you responded pretty strongly to. And I just wanted to give you the floor to talk about it now. If you can't remember, John, because you've got a lot going on in your life. And I wouldn't blame you because it kind of feels like that was a month ago. Um, I'm talking about the Pat Tillman thing. Uh, yes, I, I am. I, I do certainly remember the Pat Tillman thing. I wish I came into this more prepared, but I can off the dome remember the top contour of the Pat Tillman thing. Right. So before the game started, there was this like salute to arms, you know, um, honoring Pat Tillman, who uh, when 9-11 happened on 9-12, he signed up to go overseas and fight uh, the good fight, for lack of a better term. Um, and then the commercial went on to, you know, he, he, he was quote, unquote, killed in action. And like, this was, this was like a, a memorial for Pat Tillman and his brave sacrifice to which, uh, John turned to me and revealed. Uh, so <laughs> this is something that's been going on for a while is the kind of, uh, whitewashing or green camo washing, I guess, <laughs> Uh, of Pat Tillman's story. He kind of has this, this incredible uh, uniquely American story of being like a superstar quarterback for like Arizona. No, he was like a linebacker for Arizona state or something. Uh, Pac 10 drafted by the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, and then post September 11th enlisted in the army and then subsequent to that was a vocal critic of the war in Afghanistan going as far as to call it, and I quote, fucking illegal. Uh, and then, uh, amazingly, shortly after he started being very vocal about the war in Afghanistan being illegal, uh, it was reported by the U.S. Army that he was killed by gunfire while on patrol in Afghanistan. Uh, the army initially maintained that Tillman's unit were ambushed by enemy forces, and then eventually it was learned that he was killed by friendly fire, and some people would go as far as to say, I don't know, that he was assassinated by the U.S. Army. Right. Well, like, it's one of those things we'll never quite know the truth, um, but there's enough breadcrumbs for us to jump to our own infer inferred conclusions that are they're not purely spec speculative based on the evidence that has come out that um perhaps pat tillman was uh offed for his anti-war sentiment um adding on to this at pat tillman's funeral his brother stated my brother's fucking dead he wasn't religious he isn't in a better place he would want me to say that um so this also playing into the deification or the the canonization of, of people who die overseas. Um, Pat Tillman was a man who lived and died for something he believed in, and we should remember him as such, not as anything more than that. Uh, yes, and also there are there are accounts that Pat Tillman was saying on the radio while being shot at. Uh, waving his arms saying his name on the radio and also medical examiners uh it seems as though he was shot multiple times in the head from less than 10 yards away which in war i don't know if people are familiar with war um but in modern day warfare uh not 
too likely to happen with all the scopes and radar and such that we have. Yeah, it is um war any kind of war fighting that takes place in less than 10 yards <laughs> pretty unlikely. Yeah. Uh but yes, th- it, this is something that's been going on for Pat Tillman for a while because his story is just so good and if you look at a picture of the guy, he is America. <laughs> oh, he he is phenomenal. I love him. Um long flowing hair, mustache like he looks like an '80s football player in modern day times. Like, and when he, when he's all shaved, like I'm gonna send you a picture on Wikipedia of him. Oh yeah, no, he looks like uh, that Jeremy Benthal, but with like a larger jawline. Yeah, he is America. This yeah, person he, looks like America. He's a, yeah, he's a Republican's wet dream because all I mean, not all, most Republicans are secretly gay. I mean, actually, he's a, he's <laughs> brave. Uh, he's a Republican's I'm... wet dream in, in two different ways. Number one, he is a, a linebacker for a Pac-10 uh, football organization that was killed in the line of duty. And he's also a war protester who was murdered. Right, yeah. So he's two Republican wet dreams. Uh, yeah, I'm not pulling any punches anymore. I'm sorry. I'm tired. I'm burnt out. <laughs> All Republicans are gay. <laughs> I mean, it's fine if they are, uh, mm-hmm. I guess. There's no problem with it. There's no problem with it. I'm sorry. Just own it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, just just own it. So, yeah, it's weird in 2023, that is the current year, to see a memorial for Pat Tillman. Um, maybe it's because he played in Arizona where the Super Bowl, damn it, where the big game happened. Um Maybe that's why they brought it up. It was just, it, it seemed, I mean, it, for those who didn't know, which I feel like might have been the majority of the audience, including myself, it was just like, oh, a feel good story. Like, oh, that's pretty crazy. And then he died. And then, like, the truth of it is, like, it's, it's whitewashing history, but like, not whitewashing, but like, red, red, white, and blue washing. Yeah. Patriot washing. <laughs> yeah. Patriot washing. It's like, here's this football player who gave up all the riches of the NFL to go overseas and fight the good fight. And they, they gunned him down. He's a hero. And it's like, no, he was killed by his own guys because he was outspoken about how, what they were doing was wrong. And lo and behold, here we are, t- you know, 20 whatever years later, 10, 10 years later. That time is irrelevant later. Uh, it turns out, yeah, we were absolutely the invaders because we invaded the wrong country. <laughs> it's got to be really frustrating for Pat Tillman's family. Oh, especially it's, his brother, whose name isn't even in the headline that I just read. It's It's got to really be frustrating. I mean, we're the most uh, indoctrinated culture on the planet Earth. So the fact that we would do something uh, so spineless and craven and evil as to uh, take the life of a very spoken critic of the war and use it as essentially a recruiting tool. Uh, You know, it's not surprising, but it is a bummer. Yeah. Um, And if anyone listening to this is considering joining the armed forces, don't. (laughs) Yeah, just don't. You're you're only serving the agendas of the ultra-wealthy... I don't know. I, I, I've, I've got friends who did their tours and got a GI bill and now they're serving themselves and that's great. So like, if you can frame it in your mind, maybe to 
better your situation through exploiting what you can. Just know that you're physically selling your body and you got to be okay with that. And on top of that, you can't complain about sex work. Yes, you absolutely can't complain about sex work. The army, if nothing else, is sex work. Yeah, Um, it is the worst kind of sex work because uh, you don't even get off. It's true. It's really a shame because going into the armed forces, unless you're one of these people who takes, I don't know, the the bullshit military exams that say that you're the guy who sits in an air-conditioned trailer with an Xbox controller bombing weddings or whatever, uh, if you're one of the people who like actually has to do shit in the armed forces, it is the worst imaginable job because you're putting your mind and your body at tremendous risk for a very long period of time for pretty minimal payoff once everything's said and done. And it's pretty hard to get on with the rest of your career after leaving the armed forces anyway. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to get any support from like the VA or anything because they're been, their budget's been slashed to hell. So like, you know, you're on your own, pull yourself up by your literal bootstraps because you're the only people who have them. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not good. Don't join the military. This is a this is a zero credits promise. Yep. Promise. Yes, this is a zero credits promise. We promise you won't join the we military. We promise. We yeah. we will give you bone spurs. We will flatten your arches. Yeah, uh we will shrink your navel cavities and put cotton in your lungs or something. Is that uh cotton lung? Is that one of the reasons is that why you didn't get drafted? Oh, no, I didn't get drafted because uh, there was no active war during my time of being eligible. Oh, lucky. Yeah. But no, uh, there was a thing, like a spot would show up on your x-ray, allegedly, if you like swallowed cotton, and that might be enough to get you out. Okay. I I could see that, I guess. Yeah. Better Um, than fucking bone spurs. (laughs) Better than bone spurs. You know what? You can't even give yourself bone spurs if you try, but I can give them to anyone who asked, and I wish I knew that, because I was drafted, and I, I served my time. Oh, yeah. Now, a very fun thing about growing up in Louisiana, because uh, in other states, I've heard that you have to actively, like, register for the, the, the what, the national... The selective service. The selective service. Yeah, no, in Louisiana, they uh, they do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Don't have and to they- worry about that. Yeah, because I, I, I had a panic attack when I was, like, 19. I was like, I never fucking signed up for the draft. And uh, I, I like I looked up what's the penalty, and it's like five years in jail and like five thousand dollars. I'm like that's way more money and time than I have, because um, I was going to die before I was 25. That was my belief. Everyone <laughs> thinks that. Everybody yeah. thinks that. Yeah. Um, but no, it turns out in Louisiana, if you register to vote, you also register for the selective service. So thanks, the state of Louisiana. I remember when I was 17, uh, you know, when you're 17 years old, you have a very short list of important government documents you've had to apply for. It's really just driver's license if you're lucky. And then when it crossed my radar that I had to sign up for the selective service, I was so nervous because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I was going to, like, I had a full-blown panic attack about it because my life you know, had been challenging, but not in a, like, bureaucratic capacity. And then once I got my little selective service card, I, like, kept it in my wallet in case people asked to see it. absolutely. (laughs) They're like, I get pulled over for speeding. They're like, can I get license, registration, selective service card in case we need (laughs) to send you to war right now? 
You know, uh, just in case in the next 15 minutes while I'm writing this report, a war were declared. I remember that I took the little selective service card and I took out uh, one of my magic cards from its little laminated sleeve thing. And I oh, put that no. in it to put it in my wallet because I'm like, oh, I can't let this get damaged. I can't go to what prison a- for five years. What an absolute waste of a sleeve. It really was. I think it was a blue land, and the blue okay. land would have done much more for me. <laughs> I, I'm imagining. Card I'm imagining. Because, you know, it's, 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 it's the past. So you're like, you're like, oh, the selective service card. Well, I don't use this black lotus card that much. So I'll <laughs> yeah. just, uh, you uh, know, this. Between the black lotus and the first edition misprint hollow Charizard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, I guess I'll do the Black Lotus. I mean, all it does is give you like three types of mana. That's it's like no one runs it anymore. Yeah, you know, it's banned from competitive play, so it's probably not worth anything. Right. Uh, For those of you who don't understand uh, why this is funny, the Black Lotus, I think I'd correct me if I'm wrong, might be one of the, the most expensive, most rare Magic the Gathering cards. Uh, It is uh, certainly up there let's see i'm seeing sale prices around the ten thousand dollar mark yeah looks like a first edition one sold for half a mil pretty cool i uh wish i had money all right uh so that's that's the pat tillman thing and also that wraps up our coverage of the big game i just don't care i don't commercials weren't even good rihanna was great Rihanna was great. I will say that. And it turns out she was pregnant. So props to her. Um, that's amazing and awesome that she did that. A lot of very funny memes came out uh, with the platforms to the tune of uh, Super Smash Brothers music overlaid of her. Oh, very good. Very good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's some very funny memes. It's like, oh no, Fox is going straight for Rihanna. <laughs> it's very good. I um, there was a, <clears throat> I liked her her puffy backup dancers. There was a part where the backup dancers were doing a very exaggerated crawl, crawling around to like follow her. Yeah, and I did see one that was like my dog when I go from room to room, <laughs> and that was yeah. pretty good. Honestly, a highlight of the entire night. The game was super exciting this time around, but it turned out it didn't matter because the refs decided uh, who would win. Yeah, in the, the, last the refs minute. decided who the, the refs decided that Mahomes is supposed to win. Right, and it's even though you know what, it was an amazingly tense, yeah. really engaging game. Honestly, we have not yeah. been able to say that about the last like four big games. Honestly, one of the better game, one of the best games from the past. I'm going to call it ten years. <laughs> it was a it was a barn burner, and Philadelphia didn't burn down. Yeah, uh, honestly, uh, I'm surprised. I feel like if they had won, there would be no more Philadelphia, uh, but they lost. So maybe the refs were were keyed in by like some type of world advisors that Philadelphia would no longer exist if they won, so they had to intervene. That's the script, all right. <laughs> and then they intervened, and then the future person was like, "No, no, no! They were supposed to win. Philadelphia is <laughs> supposed to not exist. The future is much grimmer if Philadelphia <laughs> continues to exist." Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that that's the sequel to the movie, all right, for sure. Um, but yeah, overall, we're done with it. Nothing stuck in the mind. Um, the only thing I really remember is. Just a little digital, a little image of Ben Stiller pouring Pepsi into his hair like it's hair product. 
I don't even remember that. I remember a uh, a saddish dog commercial that made my wife cry, and then I was like, yeah. "Dumb soft wife." And then you, your wife came in, and I tried to explain the commercial to her, and I got <laughs> choked up. It was uh, it was yeah. it was a good one. Now it's been a very interesting time for crying lately. Um, I don't know if anybody out there is watching The Last of Us. I think that uh, we as a nation are really bonding over being sad about shit uh because of the last of us it's crazy i i honestly wasn't going to watch the show i'm gonna be straight up because i played the game and i i had already seen some compilations of like oh wow the the show is like one-to-one to the game so i i knew how the game started and i knew basically like if the if they're doing it real they're gonna do the opening the same and i honestly couldn't i didn't think i could get through that again yeah the the opening to the last of us it's pretty famous at this point but gotta be like top no point in ranking it one of the most gut-wrenching yeah. uh, opening sequences of any piece of media so uh yeah so jamie my wife decided uh hey we're gonna watch the last of us and was like oh okay I, and I like I knew what was ha- gonna happen, and I steeled myself, and I I honestly was like openly weeping for the yeah. first. I'm gonna say forty percent of that pilot episode, <laughs> like even beyond it was over, and like Jamie would make a comment, and I would respond, and it would be just a quiet, soft sob. <laughs> yeah, I um. So Pedro Pascal, incredible actor, which oh, really really brings a I- lot to that. Can I say, um, honestly, he's been in so much. This is the first time I have watched him where he literally disappears into the role. Like, I don't see him as Pedro Pascal in this. I see him as Joel. Yeah, for a hundred percent. Like it's a, it's crazy. I've seen him in other stuff. I'm like, oh, he's having fun. He's Pedro Pascal. He's like, he's, he's having a grand time. It's like, no. He is Joel. Like, he just disappears completely. Yeah, he did a fantastic character study of Joel. As someone who's played the game a few times, I actually had a different take going into it in that I had no desire to watch The Last of Us for a very different reason. In that I played the game, I enjoyed it, but as time went on, I I kind of considered the writing in The Last of Us... uh, it's it's certainly not lazy, and it's very ambitious for what it tries to do, but it's a kind of writing that I can't really stomach anymore, which is a writing that is like purposefully uh, bleak and almost it, it's trying to like tell this kind of what's what's the word when a story is trying to teach you something? Oh, didactic or yeah, something it's, like it's that? like a didactic story about like violence and human nature that's from a very pessimistic standpoint and i don't think there's like a ton of space for that in my life and i didn't find Mm. it particularly useful and i think from my understanding last of us part two is uh, even more of that i to 11 i haven't played it I, i i don't feel like being sad yeah the uh the first <laughs> the first last of us is incredible and i i love all of the directions the story goes in, but for the most part, it's kind of intentionally shockingly bleak. And I was afraid to watch a show like that because I don't 
personally find that kind of storytelling interesting. What I think is a phenomenal achievement of any anyone who's seen The Last of Us, the TV show, up through episode three could agree with this, and also played the game, is that they took this like very uh like shove it down your throat bleak kind of story and actually injected like so much heart and tenderness and humanity yeah Mm -hmm. there's a character and i'm not going to go into anything but there's a character in episode three that is Mm -hmm. in the game and a particular thing about his life is actually treated in kind of a lascivious jokey way without a lot of tenderness uh i'll I'll just say there's a character who's gay and in the, the game you're like Oh, he kind of talks around it, and there's like this guy you don't really know. There's if magazines they, with there, like there's, muscle, there's, there's like muscle gay mag- porn yeah. hanging around. So they treat it in this kind of uh, juvenile way. Like they they never give this character any humanity, and they almost it almost seems like they make him gay because it's interesting for like a rugged. Uh, like crazy outdoorsman to be gay, and that right. to me is really bad writing. Yeah, no, it, it's endemic of the time it was written in, where it's like, well, we're, it, it was the wrong type of inclusion, where it's like, well, we haven't seen this before, so let's just do it. It won't factor in much, and then you know, you see that person in game for maybe less than five minutes. Yeah, and then you move on. Uh, I what I really like is what well, one Neil Druckmann wrote the game. It does. He was like the, one of the head people on the game and he's one of the head people on the show. And I think he's using the show as a chance to redo everything. He did that is, in the that game. Is absolutely. The read is that this is, yeah. this is from what I've seen of it so far, an attempt to retell a story you already told with fresh perspective and a new yeah. team updated everything in terms of like, well, look, I was, and maybe it's like I had to go through the gaming industry, so I couldn't tell exactly the story I wanted to tell. Um, TV's a much broader medium, so maybe I can expand a bit. But episode three has to be one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen. Speaking of episodes of television that made one cry, I can't remember outside of major traumatic life events something that made me sob yeah like that episode did uh like so, just yeah. cried and cried and cried like heaving uh we watched all three of the first episodes in a row um i was openly weeping in the first episode the second episode made me tear up and then the third episode i was openly openly weeping again um, it was like a weep sandwich and I got to the point where it's like, I can't watch anymore. I, there's nothing left for me to feel. I am numb. <laughs> yeah. It's a hell of a first three episodes for. Yeah. Anything. Oh, did you see, this is dumb. Did you see the, the Ben Shapiro reaction to episode three? Uh, no, I, I don't make a habit of watching Ben Shapiro. I, I, I know. This was a tweet. Um, I I have to read it to you. Okay. So let me pull it up. 
Here we go. Are you ready? Always. Always ready to listen to the master. This is right wing pundit Ben Shapiro's reaction to one of the most emotional episodes of television ever created. A right wing pundit and a very short man, Ben Shapiro. I am not here for ad hominem attacks. Okay, I understand. I am, though. His wife is a doctor. All right, let's just get into it. I quote, What follows is a comprehensive snout-to-tail spoiler-filled description of episode three of The Last of Us. Please skip forward by about five minutes to avoid having Henry spoil one of the best episodes of television in recent history. Bad, bad Henry. The entire episode has no zombies. No real threat. It is about two gay dudes who meet and have a relationship in one in which one grows strawberries for the other and then they die being not by being killed by zombies. One gets cancer and decides to essentially euthanize himself and gay Ron Swanson decides that he is also going to commit suicide at the same time. Because of, quote, Romeo and Juliet, or, quote, Romeo and Romeo This in this particular case. It's really well produced, and it's beautifully shot. However, here's the problem with Brokeback Zombie Farm. It's a zombie show. There are no zombies in this entire episode. There are no zombies in a zombie show. This is worth pointing out. It literally has nothing to do with the plot of the show, end quote. I have a few things to say. I have so many things to say. I I have at least three. Uh, First of all, uh, this is the shortest one, is um, what an absolutely, completely bankrupt and brain-dead read on any fiction to compare that to Romeo and Juliet. (laughs) Uh, to, To compare that... There is abs. There's no comparison. At, at There's least no comparison. In maybe one possible way, if you were really stretching, is there any similarity whatsoever to one of the most cited works in the canon? Yeah. And you have to be really fucking stupid <laughs> no. to try to do that. Secondly, um, and this is to Mr. Shapiro's credit, he very succinctly describes why that episode is good. <laughs> It's really it's really well produced and it's beautifully shot. No, he describes <laughs> that it has no zombies and it's just about people. So here's the thing. Um The Last of Us is not a zombie game nor is it a zombie show. It's not about the zombies. Here is my third and longest critique and this is actually one that I've been brewing for a while and there's a very common thread among the kind of people that I would like to call idiots yeah. and and criticizing The Last of Us or even criticizing The Walking Dead. They have way less criticisms of something like The Walking Dead because The Walking Dead is decidedly right wing. Uh, but I didn't know that. Uh, not any of the writers, but they pander to an audience for a reason I'm going to get into. Mm. The overwhelming opinion of, that people on with that people with certain beliefs seem to have, I don't like to say people on the right, but people with certain beliefs and you know who I'm talking about their critique of the last of us and any zombie thing that portrays some kind of 
human emotion or human situation that they consider to be transgressive is there are no zombies and that it's pointless that there are no zombies. Uh, my rebuttal to that is uh, if you think that that is a problem with fiction, you have absolutely no fucking idea what zombie movies are about. Yeah, from absolutely. From their inception, from Night of the Living Dead, zombie movies exist to be human studies. Yeah. As as, as is an uh, this is going to be a huge reduction as is 100% of all fiction. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like there so I think there's something underlying this. The first part, the most insidious part, is this is an easy criticism for uh, insecure uh, mental dimwits to make when they feel uh, uh, attacked by a piece of fiction not sharing their worldview. And there's kind of the second part where I think conservative people tend to like things like The Walking Dead not because the the central underpinning of zombie fiction being if you strip away the adornments of society how do humans behave like zombie fiction is is rife with real keen philosophical studies about the human condition but if what they really want is zombies and the killing of zombies the reason why conservative people would watch something like the walking dead or get something out of like dawn of the dead or whatever is not because they enjoy the actual good thing about zombie fiction. It's because they want to inhabit mentally for a short period of time, a universe in which they are constantly being attacked by other humans and they can kill them with no uh, repercussions. Yes. It is, I, it is the most hateful horrible read of zombie fiction because this is just a place for like small dicked insecure idiots to feel like well i could kill a bunch of people if they were zombies if i lived every day in a world like the hell i trap myself in my mind every day where people are beating down the door of my home and i could kill them with my colt 1911 then i'd be happy right no absolutely yeah no it's it's the worst yeah absolutely so yeah it's a the Last of Us is a story of humanity, and most importantly, it's a story of love. Like when you drill down to the core of The Last of Us, it is one thousand percent about different shades of love in every regard. It's something that the game can't really tug out or doesn't really tug out for whatever reasons. But it, it, with Neil Druckmann, uh, the creator of The Last of Us, also being the the showrunner or or the main force behind the show, I feel like he's getting a chance to finally distill the entire property into the, the, this, the main theme of this is a story of love in all of its shades and regards. And we're going to spend time with these characters who you meet in the game more so than the time you spend with them in the game, because there's no objective to fill. There's no get a thing to go to the next part. There's only service to this theme of love and you see that in every single episode so far i've only seen three but i've seen that in the three episodes i've watched this is not a zombie show this is a love show yeah i mean no no zombie show is a zombie show but also uh for anyone who's played uh and and beaten the last of us 
Uh, I will, I will spoil no part of The Last of Us whatsoever, but I agree with your thesis, Henry, entirely. That is what, there is nothing in The Last of Us from a storytelling perspective that is not about our love for others. Right. Uh, after all, it's called The Last of Us. <laughs> Not, Not the, the last la- of the them. them. <laughs> that is that is very true. And also, I, I do think that television is the medium to tell that kind of story. Because when you make a video game, you're like, okay, yeah, you have to fight. And there's the slow ones and the fast ones and the big armored ones and the ones with the clicky heads. And oh, isn't it interesting? And uh, in a television show that is 0% interesting. Yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly, like, yeah, the... The part the, the 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 clicky ones we have seen so far have filled me with so much dread. I never want to experience that episode again. But I also just didn't like them in the game either. I hated yeah, the clicky ones. I, clickers are very scary. Mm-hmm. All um, of that to say, yes. watch The Last of Us. I feel like it's going to be this year's standout for uh, what do they call them? TV shows. <laughs> yes, that is what the uh, medium is called. And hold on. In addition, I-, I think a pretty good TV combo right now, if you will, is to watch The Last of Us and to watch Poker Face, a show that I will highly recommend. Uh, you you heard about this Poker Face? I know it's by the uh, the force of nature that is Ryan Johnson, who the has done goodly talented Adele Nazim. <laughs> Uh, the wickedly talented Ryan Johnson, who is, of course, behind Knives Out, The Last Jedi, etc. Brick, just to name a few. Luke. And I know it stars, oh, Natasha something. I know. Leon. The wickedly talented <laughs> Natasha Leon. Yes. Uh, from Dollface. That's not what it's called. Russian, Russian Doll. Doll. <laughs> Russian uh, Poker. Yeah, the, the, the child actor turned chain smoker <laughs> turned force of nature two forces of nature for the price of one and i know the basic premise is a poker waitress is that what they're called i think nailed it 100 <laughs> percent. A, po- a poker waitress <laughs> a poker waitress travels across the country solving crimes uh yes that is essentially it what i think the reason why i think poker face is a really good supplemental show to the last of us is it's so full of mushroom zombies no um, <laughs> it, it really it's this you don't you don't even need to open your eyes it's, it's, it's a the real same Armageddon show. deep impact situation <laughs> uh but no what what i think truly sets poker face apart is the genesis of poker face from my understanding is uh ryan johnson was bemoaning that uh like episodic crime television series like burn notice or monk or columbo just don't really exist anymore oh especially yeah. ones like anchored around a central character with a central quirk so psych. it's like i'm like psych so he said i'm gonna write one of those shows because those don't exist anymore and i'm going to cast natasha leone in it because she's the best and in addition it is a star fucking studded cast that rotates out every episode because of its episodic nature so if you ever wanted to like see adrian brody like chew scenery as a villain for an hour and then never have to worry about adrian brody again uh or uh little rel howard show up it's great the writing's kind of hit or miss but yeah 
Uh, also, just a side note, if you want to see Adrian Brody choose scenery and uh, be a villain, See How They Run is a great movie, a very classic style whodunit, and he is like the the main uh, dickhead in that movie. <laughs> that's what they call it. And uh, when they teach you fiction writing, that's what they call it. You, you always got to have, uh, you know, a snoop. A clerical one and a dickhead. <laughs> yeah, the main dickhead. The, he can have a series of subordinate dickheads, but yeah. there has to be a main dickhead. Uh, so that's Poker Sam Face. Rockwell, right? Is in See How They Run? Yes, he plays the Snoop. Ooh, gotta see it. Yeah, and um, oh, I know her name. I know her name. She was Lady Bird. Oh, uh, Sir Sharon. Sir Sharonin is the clerical one. Yes. Oh, I love all three of those people. It's it's actually a really f- good whodunit. It, it, I don't think a lot of people saw it, but we thoroughly enjoyed it. It was way better than uh, a movie we saw right after it by the name of Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah. Amsterdam's not very good. <laughs> yeah. But moving on. Uh, so see Poker Face. Watch. See Poker Face. It's a movie. It's a show. You you watch it. You don't. You see movies. You watch shows. Watch Poker Face. Watch The Last of Us. And uh, see think, how they run. See. <laughs> okay. Uh, very good props to you, sir. Thank you. I tried. Uh, with the limited time that we have left, I thought we would play a fun little game. For those of you who don't know, John does not know what is going on in the world. He has been buried in personal life stuff. So I thought it would be very fun to play. Is this a real headline or is this not? That's right. I have been buried in uh, one of the most, it turns out, fucking annoying things that a lot of people go through in their life. And it's fine, but I don't know anything that's going on. I haven't read a single piece of news. We could live on the moon for all I know. Yes, he. we could. Uh, he has been buried in the sands of his personal life to no, no fault of... of there, there's no shame here. I, I that's thought this would be fun to play a little game of, is this a real headline or is this not? I love real or fake headlines. <laughs> I love them both. Yes. Uh, so the premise of the game, for those of you who want to play along at home, I am going to read a headline. John will weigh in on whether or not it's real or if it's fake. If it's real, I'll give a brief synopsis of the story behind the headline. If it's fake, John gets a point if he correctly guesses it. If it's fake, we don't dive into it. There's no reason to dive into fake stuff. Okay, but I also get a... So I get a point for anyone I correctly guess. Absolutely, thank or, you. Or do I only get points? No, 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 no. No, okay. no, no. You get a point for everyone you correctly guess. Points are very important, as we all know. Yeah, of course. All right. Are you ready for the first headline? Absolutely, I am. Here we go. AI Seinfeld show suspended by Twitch for transphobic homophobic stand-up. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. This is actually surprisingly tough out of the gate. Um, I think let me let me game this out. I think that this one is playing to my particular interests and is fake. I am very sorry to announce John that this is absolutely true. What? Yes, uh, a Twitch stream started in December entitled Nothing, Forever, an AI 
created and rendered Seinfeld show. Um, it, it's a parody of Seinfeld using no actual voice acting. It's all it's AI, AI written, AI rendered, and AI voiced. Uh, in which the characters from the famous show would enact episodes, including the stand-up bits before and after each episode. And unfortunately, uh, Larry Seinfeld, the uh, <laughs> the AI-generated uh, character, went on a bit of a rant about anti-transphobic anti, uh, and homophobic jokes and oh for that reason it was banned on twitch uh, the, is, wow the people behind it uh promised that they were going to look into what caused that to happen to limit it this possibility from happening in the future i think it has been reinstated on the twitch platform it was only like a two-week band um and i think it's still going strong today so maybe they succeeded but that is a thing that happened that is uh incredible and you know what they say you can't do randomly generated ai comedy anymore you, you really can't folks all right so th- no points for john but maybe he can uh bounce back with this next one mm-hmm. here is the next headline john are you ready i am okay here we go Louis C.K.'s sold-out show at Madison Square Garden proves there's no such thing as cancel culture. Oh, no. Oh, my gut says that one's true. You are correct. That is a true... I can't celebrate. (laughs) Yeah. um, Louis C.K., who had a very... Public masturbation. (laughs) Public masturbation event. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, and was subsequently quote unquote canceled sold out madison square garden um this fucking year it happened this year oh boy it happened in january and uh so uh hmm that's uh i mean it doesn't prove that cancel culture doesn't exist or whatever the headline means to say I think it just it just proves that our attempt to hold people to account isn't effective in our current culture. Right. Right. Yeah. I I think it, it maybe there's a brief time where you have to step away, but you can step right back a couple of years later. Heck, I think Roseanne Barr is getting like a documentary about her life this year. I don't know. Also, you know, cancel culture has been merchandised at this point, or being canceled has been merchandised. Uh, so I guess cancel culture works. It's just there are so many people frothing at the mouth to uncancel people that it's created a pretty unfortunate dynamic. I don't want to know anyone who went to that show, to be honest with you. Right. So uh point for you, because you said it was true, so that you, you currently have one point. I'm glad. I I don't like that it was true. Yeah. All right. Here comes your next headline, John. Frog catches train across country. Frog catches train. Okay. So it's clearly a riddle. Um, you know what? If there's one thing 
the news are that the news companies don't care about its trains so i'm gonna say false D- doesn't exist you're right that's a false one G- no one gener- cares about frogs no one cares about trains though they should yeah generated by an ad lib i i put together for the the purpose of this game congratulations you have two points i welcome my two points and i will continue to clean up you are not ready for this next one we'll see here we go. Here is the headline. Corgi-sized meteor as heavy oh, as four baby elephants hit <laughs> Texas. Dash NASA. <laughs> oh, okay. It's important to know that it's from NASA. Well, let's see. I know that... So from the bomb freeze we recently had, we know that... Uh, Texas News loves to use corgis. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's true. It is absolutely true, although framed in a weird way. Um, a more scientific headline would read differently. Uh, the meteor in question struck the Earth near McAllen, Texas, with the energy equivalent of eight tons of tnt but there were no reported casualties or damages uh so wait that mean do you mean each elephant is roughly a ton of tnt no it was just the one meteor okay okay. just the one meteor no the elephants wasn't it there no corgis 12 elephants or something uh four elephants is how much the meteor weighed oh i gotcha yeah. A meteor around the size of a Pembroke Welsh corgi and weighed around the total weight of four baby elephants struck the <laughs> earth near McAllen, Texas last Wednesday. NASA confirmed this week. Just just fun. We're having fun with the news. We're listen, we're having fun over here. All right. So uh three points for John, but can he keep the streak up with this next one? Uh we're we're getting to the end of our game here. Uh, but here we go. John, are you prepared for the I next? I am ready. All right. Incredibly intelligent, highly elusive. U.S. faces new threat from Canadian, quote, super pig. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hail Mary because I want to live in super pig world and say true. It is absolutely true. The northern yes, states super are super pig. The northern states are on alert for invasion of crossbred pig that <laughs> threatens flora and fauna and is difficult to stop. <laughs> uh you know, they're being pretty sensational, but I like to imagine the world where Last of Us is uh, super pigs <laughs> and not cordyceps. Yeah, forget cordyceps. It, it is absolutely the pig. Uh, uh, we have quotes from Michael Marlowe, who is the assistant. I really, I really love the timbre of the sentence. It is absolutely the pig. Uh, we've got quotes from Michael Marlowe, the assistant program manager for the Department of Agriculture's National Feral Swine Damage Management Program, which is a thing that exists. Okay, that's a, that's a one-guy job. That's, yeah. a, that's a job that one guy made for himself. Uh, he says, they'll kill young fawns. They're known to be <laughs> nest predators, so they impact turkeys and potential quail. We see direct competition for nat- native species for food. 
Apparently, these pigs are very, very hard to kill. <laughs> they lived a benign existence up until, you know, probably three or four decades ago where we started seeing these rapid excursions in areas we hadn't seen before. <laughs> I uh, I wonder what made the pigs decide that they needed to leave their um, their covens 30 yeah. or 40 years ago and become super pig predators. I'm not entirely sure, but apparently they're threatening our northern neighbors to the extreme north. And potential quail. Yeah. Not actual quail, but, you know, if we learn anything, the the, the present value of quail is always worth more than the future value of quail. Yes. So, what what is that? Four points for John, but can he keep going? Um, we'll see. Uh, here is a next one. American author Mark Twain dying in poverty in London. I'm sorry. <laughs> is this? I did not realize these could be from the distant past. Is this a real headline or is it not, John? <laughs> I'm going to say not a real headline. This is correct. This is the very famous quote from Mark Twain. The rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated. Good spot by John. That's five points for him. Uh, let's see if we can trip him up with another one. Uh, let's see. <laughs> this sounds fake already. You know, let's see if we can trip you up. Uh, uh, here we go. Are you ready for the next one? I am. All right. This headline is more involved because I'm piecing it together from actual real sources. Uh, okay. Are you concerned? I am not. All right. Here we go. Uh, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene has tweeted out, We need a national divorce. We need to separate by red states and blue states and shrink the federal government. Everyone I talk to says this. From the sick and disgusting woke cultural issues shoved down our throats to the Democrats' traitorous American last policies, we are done. Oh, boy. Um, well, I mean... All right, so before you answer, let me phrase the question a different way. (laughs) Okay. Did a representative of America suggest we need a civil war? Um... Well, for what it's worth, I you know, when you go through something, you want your friends to go through something. So I see why Marjorie Taylor Greene wants a national divorce. Um, <laughs> Nationalized divorce. No one is married. <laughs> no one is married. Divorce justice now. I mean, I'm going to say that idiot said it. That idiot did indeed say it. Yes, this happened absolutely today of all days. Great. Uh, she tweeted out that, yes, let's separate the red states from the blue states. A very interesting proposal that I don't think anyone has ever come up with before. Yeah, I, I think that uh, it's a real galaxy brain take. No one's ever uh, tackled it from that direction before. And it really took the... Uh, the raw brain power that Marjorie Taylor Greene brings to the fore to really uh, lay that solution bare. Yeah, um, obviously this will be taken 100% seriously and explored in Congress. Um, he joked sarcastically. 
Oh, definitely will be taken very seriously. Henry, I've got a little game for you. Hold on, John. I've got one last. Oh, my God. One last one. We're sticking the ending. There's an ending theme here. Um, is this a true headline or is this something I made up? Okay. Marjorie Taylor Greene says Democrats who move to GOP-run states shouldn't be allowed to vote for five years. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I'm going to say it's true. Ding, 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 John. I think you've got at least seven points. That is absolutely true. Guess when she said it? Today? In the same breath as the last statement. Oh, yes. Amazing. Uh, I don't know how this woman has time to do anything else other than tweet out crazy beyond insanity things that she thinks should be laws. Yes, if you move to a GOP state, you shouldn't, quote, bring your values with you, end quote. Yes. Uh, n <laughs> absolutely. Now, that doesn't go the other way around, to be clear. Um, oh, absolutely GOP, not. No, no, not. yeah, no. yeah, of course not. Of course not. They can not. bring their values with them, but I, I place different values on different values, of course. Um, you know, I think that Marjorie Taylor Greene has a lot of time for these things because a lot of people, uh, you don't realize it when you're doing it, but a lot of people fill their days with a lot of like thought and introspection and, uh, kind of self auditing and really trying to process the world around you. And Marjorie Taylor Greene has really dev devised an ingenious system where she never has to do that. Oh, absolutely. That allows her to have more time to say the absolute most batshit shit things a congressman can absolutely, honestly, 100% earnestly propose. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really good system that we live in, and I'm happy with it. Yeah. Now, you said you had a little game for me. By the way, congratulations for getting seven points. I think that is a new high score record. Thanks for thank playing. You, thank you. Eight points, actually. But I, I wasn't. I lost count. Eight points. It's, it's Very fine. good for you. Eight points. If you um, said nine points, I'd believe you. Ten points. Uh, that might be a bit of a stretch. I think there was less than ten headlines. Okay, we'll settle for nine. I have a bit of a game for you, Henry. Okay, I'm here to play. I am... Uh, motivated I, I would like you to tell me um if this headline is true or false okay um corgi's stage protest demanding equal representation for super pigs and frogs and quails in train advertising campaign <laughs> that sounds like it's encompassing a lot of the animals i mentioned <laughs> in the headlines just now and also trains a hot-button issue in America today. I have to say, this must be true. Uh, it is 100% true. Ten points to Gryffindor. Whoa! I think that beats your nine points, making me the winner. <laughs> Damn. My changed my name to Gryffindor. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, <laughs> thanks, ChatGPT. Uh, it also gave me train company names... <laughs> Named Super Pig Henry Duo as official spokespeople for new amphibian-friendly train line. <laughs> Thank you, Chat G G G G G G G G G G G G G G G G and with all of these slip-ups and miss-ups, I think it's time to say, hey, look, this was a great episode. Let's end it. It's been a great episode. Well-researched, too. 
I am glad everyone in my life is reminding me every week of this. Very well researched. Um, Jesus fucking Christ. You know, we actually kind of got in by the by the skin of our teeth because I feel like the Last of Us conversation was well researched, but only because we had the research deep in our minds. Yeah. Uh, thank you for myself for saving all of those headlines so I could play a game. Oh, thank you for John for being so head in the sand that he didn't know what was going on. I feel like this could be a recurring segment, seg- segment, not every week, but every once in a while. Every once in a while when I'm doing business stuff. Now, Henry, it's been about a hundred weeks since we last recorded, and I don't know who is doing what. Uh, uh, okay, if we're going to do this on air, I will say I did record an episode with my wife last week, and I did edit it. So I think tradition would dictate that you would edit this week. Okay, that's fine. I just needed to know who does the social media plugs, and guess what? It's you, buddy! Oh, I haven't done it in so long. I hope I remember how. You won't. He's right. Oh, do I have to throw it to you? Henry, what about the social media plugs? (laughs) Okay, if you've got headlines you want to wish... You, you, if you've got headlines you wish for us to talk about and whether or not they're real or fake from any sort of time period, you can send those to us in the various amount of ways I'm about to tell you. Uh, the number one way we are super active for whatever reason on Elon Musk's Twitter.com. Uh, you can reach us there by tweeting at ZCPCWHJ, which John, I think you know what that stands for. That stands for when lithium-ion batteries catch on fire, they create a runaway chemical reaction where the fire burns hotter and hotter and hotter. So if you want to buy a Tesla, just keep in mind, if it catches on fire, you can never put it out. Amazing. Uh, We're also reachable by email uh, before. John and I need to schedule a meeting to figure out our DNS situation. So for the meantime, please email at us, email at us, email us at to send an email to zero credits is a podcast at email dot bet. Oh no, John, it's going, it's falling apart. Zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we will accept all solicitation. Uh, it's great. We love solicitation. And uh, we have heavily invested into Zencaster thanks to Gmail. Uh, you can also find us on a number of different podcast applications, uh, such as, but not limited to, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Podcast Addict, uh, Pod Chaser, Good Pods, whatever you find our podcast. If you could do us the great favor of rating or reviewing us on the platform that would be great uh we really like all of the reviews that we receive and we sometimes read them on air so make them good folks you'll be graded on a curve but the most important thing you can do is tell somebody about the podcast Uh, i mean it's the only thing that you can do with your free time what am i saying you can do so many things you could write a book But in that book, have your characters talk about Zero Credits Podcast, the only podcast where people talk about things. No other podcast has that tagline, and if they do, we'll sue them. Word of the mouth is the only way you can survive, and boy, do we need to survive right now. Because if we don't survive, 
I think we'll die. And keep in mind, if you want to uh, support the podcast, there are a number of ways you can do that. Uh, unfortunately, the only one we accept is Blintzcoin. What is Blintzcoin? It is a coin that can exclusively be used to buy Blintzes. What's a Blintz? It is a rolled, stuffed Jewish pancake. And from everyone here at the Zero Credits Rolled, Stuffed Jewish Pancake Studios, we'd like to wish you a happy week. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Good blitz.